Zara, I am so excited to talk about today's sponsor. It's the new film, Challenges. It's from the director of Call Me By Your Name, Luca Guadagnino, and stars and is produced by none other than our girl Zendaya. Yeah, you know I love her. You love her too. I love her so much. Zendaya plays Tashi Duncan, a former tennis prodigy turned coach who is married to a Grand Slam champion, currently on a losing streak. And if that's not bad enough, Tashi's strategy to help her husband break his curse sort of takes a surprising and awkward turn. Hmm, awkward indeed. Because now he must face off against his former best friend and Tashi's ex-boyfriend, Patrick. Zara, the tensions are running high. I know. Tashi's someone who makes no apologies for her game on and off the court. It's her game, her rules, but with her past and present colliding, Tashi must face reality and ask herself, what will it cost to win? Challenges is the sexy drama that everyone's talking about and it's definitely not one you want to miss. It's about passion, friendship and what happens when your past comes back to challenge you. You can grab a ticket from Tuesday the 26th. So grab your friends and get excited. I will be grabbing you and we are definitely going to be going to watch it. Oh, please. Thank you so much to Challenges for making this episode of Shameless Possible. Welcome to Shameless, the pop culture podcast for smart people who love dumb stuff. You're joined, as always, by Melbourne writers, Zara McDonald, that would be you, Michelle Andrews, that would be me, and of course, producer Annabelle Lee. Hi. Hi. You've shuffled up the order. I was confused there for a second. We were all confused. (laughs) Apologies for almost derailing us before we've even begun. Coming up on today's show, just about everything. There is literally so much for us to cover from Kendall Jenner's insane cucumber cutting technique to Love Island breakups and blossoming bachelors. Not to mention Megan Fox and Machine Gun Kelly cut a hole in a jumpsuit to have sex. Courtney Kardashian and Travis Barker get married again. And then the inspired unemployed have released Australia's fastest growing beer in eight years, reporting $10 million in sales from launch. So let's talk about their rise and the kinds of influencer-backed businesses that just work. But first, my beloved Zara McDonald, how was your week? Hello, everyone. Yeah, it was a week, I guess, <laughs> you know, one of those ones. But I did have a story for you that I don't know if it was a really shit and average or just <laughs> something to fill the space regardless. Well, you know that we'll tell you. Because I had one of those moments this week where I had like one of those sort of embarrassing moments but not the kind of embarrassing moment that you lose sleep over it's just one of those run-of-the-mill embarrassing moments that you spend the next five to ten minutes thinking about and I don't think we give these moments enough airtime. Dare I say as well you have quite a few embarrassing moments more than most people and a lot of them are run-of-the-mill so if you had asked me to list my most embarrassing moments I can't quite think of them because I'm not losing sleep. A few come to mind for me. (laughs) That's good to know but let's leave it there. Anyway so I was catching the train to work the other day and I 
don't check the train timetable before I leave. Very <laughs> unlike me for someone who's relatively <laughs> uptight and organised. It's probably the most relaxed thing I do. I just think, I'll walk to the train and jump on the next one. And so I was walking to the train station and I reckon I was about 200 metres from the train station and there's a guy that's walking in front of me with his suit on and a backpack and I was like, well, you're going to the train station too. Train buddies. Yeah. And about 150 metres out from the train station, he starts really picking up his <laughs> And I think, well, fuck, this guy like knows what he's doing. So I'm like, I'll just, I'll just pick up mine, like without it looking too obvious, but I will take his lead. About 125 metres from the train station, he just starts all out sprinting. <laughs> and I think to myself, ah, fuck it, me too. So I start sprinting with the train behind him. So we looked like this dorky little one-two duo sprinting for the train in a line. Can I have a question? Yeah. How far behind this guy are you? Are you like, <laughs> too are close. You like breathing on his neck? <laughs> yes, I'm too close. I'm honestly like only two metres behind him. But I was like, I just don't care. Like I can't be fucked being late for work. This guy knows more than me we run down onto the platform and I look at the fucking screen and there's like five minutes till the train and I was so angry at him I was like I trusted you I ran all the way here behind you we both look like idiots and it made me think a lot firstly how embarrassing like that is so embarrassing it's almost like he needed a baton to do like a relay with you and just pass what, it back why would you run why would you get more like, exercise yeah. maybe he wanted to get his heart rate up but secondly I thought you know how Hamish and Andy do those power moves like yes. they have a book full of just really amazing power moves. I was like, that's an incredible power move. Sprint to the platform <laughs> when you know the train is not coming because you will stress everybody else out. I love that so much. Did he ever look behind him? Like no, we just his never mentioned it again. I don't even think I'd be able to recognise him oh. in a lineup. But yeah. Your running buddy. My running buddy. <laughs> no, it was a sprint. It was a full on sprint buddy for nothing. I do, while I'm here, have two recommendations for you. I've got Please. two good ones too if I may. The Please. first one is a read. It's actually an older read. It's from last month in Bustle, but I stumbled on it because I subscribe to Zara Wong's newsletter. Zara's a head of content at Mecca. She has a really great newsletter as well for recommendations. And she recommended this piece in Bustle called The Last Girl Boss Standing. It's about Glossier founder, Emily Weiss. And, you know, it kind of goes without saying the last couple of years, a lot of the key female founders in the US found themselves a subject of quite a bit of controversy. Mm. You know, there was like talk of the end of the girl boss era and all of those kinds of things. But for some reason, Emily Weiss still really successfully managed to run Glossier, even though Glossier found itself in a little bit of controversy too. And it's a really, really great piece to explore why she was able to withstand a lot of those conversations and a lot of the controversy that Glossier found itself in. But the tone is really interesting. It's almost like, I wish you guys had already read it so I could talk to you about this. The tone's interesting. It's like the writer already decided that they were very much in love with Emily Weiss. So anytime <laughs> anything mildly like eh, came up, we'd always knew that we were going to come to the conclusion that she was great anyway. Oh my God, I love that so So much. it's a really interesting thing to to read and to explore and I would love you both to read it. I will definitely read it. It's that. a bit of a long one, but I love immersing myself in those long reads from time to time. Yep. The second one is a podcast episode from Conversations. It is an interview with Tom Tilly, former Triple J hack host, now host of the listener podcast, The Briefing. Now, Tom Tilly's just released a book called Speaking in Tongues and this was an interview 
you about that book. He grew up in a really strict Pentecostal church. And so the book itself is a memoir about his time in that church. And I found the interview so fascinating because basically he grew up in a church that told you that in order to be saved, you needed to speak in tongues. Now, I didn't know much about speaking in tongues. Did you guys? I mean, I remember hearing about it in school, but I wouldn't be able to tell you much about it. Well, what I could glean from this interview, and I'm clearly no expert, so I would really recommend people go to listen to this episode, but speaking in tongues is when like a person experiencing, I guess, religious ecstasy starts uttering incomprehensible sounds that they say is like the Holy Spirit speaking through them. Yeah, like taking over their body. Exactly. And in Tom Tilly's childhood and during his time in this church, they basically said you had to speak in tongues in order to be saved. Like you had to experience this sensation in order to not go to hell, but it had to kind of find its way through you. That is so interesting. So interesting. He ended up leaving the church in sort of his early 20s and tells that story, as I said, both in the book and in this episode. So I couldn't recommend this interview more. I'm going out to buy the book because I can't wait to read it. But I honestly think so many of our listeners would be fascinated in his story. Yeah. I mean, sorry for derailing us a little bit because I know you were kind of finished talking about it. Is his family still in the church? No. And so, yeah, he has still really strong relations with his family. Great. Yeah. I love that. It always hurts my heart a little when someone needs to like sever ties with their own loved ones. No, and a hundred, but I think for him, when he started to realise that he didn't quite believe what everybody else around him was believing, that's really the risk you start running, right? Of thinking about leaving this church and that you have to leave your entire family behind. So for a guy who... I hear and see all the time. I had no idea that this was part of his story. Great wreck, Zara. Thanks. I'm pretty proud of them. How are you? How was your week? What do you got for me? Well, a listener last week said, Michelle, please stop saying you had a good week. So let me find... (laughs) I'm sorry for being happy. Let me find a synonym. It was a a jolly week. It was a jolly old week. A jolly old week. No, I had a great time, went away with my family for the weekend, but it has dawned on me the last couple of days. I'm officially in that part of the year where things are a little rough. I've kind of been slacking off in my personal life a little bit with admin and I'm officially at that point where my car has needed a service for months. My wardrobe has needed a clean out for months. Like I am a fucking mess in every area of and it's my just life. just this time of year. Look, I'm a fucking mess all the time. No, but it's true. I think you're right. I honestly reckon we got on mic at this time of year every year. Yeah. Say, it's that time of year. Yeah. And I've literally been looking at my car, which is struggling because it was supposed to get serviced in January and it's now May and I still haven't got it serviced. And every time I get in, I go, wow, I really need to book that in. And then every day passes and it just builds in my mind. Now I'm like, when I go, they're going to think it's been so long. What are you doing? This Whereas is- if I it today. This is me with the dentist. Every time I brush my teeth, I think, oh, I should be booking that appointment. I just head to work and don't think about it again. Anyway, so hopefully next week when I get on to say that I've had a not good week, I'll find another synonym next week. Hopefully I've booked my car in for a service. I'm keeping myself accountable by telling 100,000 plus people about it. Well, here's the thing, right? I hope that works for you. I really, in my heart, I hope it does. But do you remember, OJ listeners of the podcast will remember, I used to have this dilemma every time I went to catch public transport where I'd never topped my mic here. And it felt very much before the days of being able to top it up on your phone. So I just never did it. I'm now reformed. I put 
$50 on my Mikey at a time. Oh, that's too much money to part with at once. I would feel a bit like anxious I'm about I'm quite that. addicted to catching the train though because it's quite peaceful at the <laughs> yeah. moment. Beyond, you know, obvious <laughs> flaws of catching the train, which is running to the train. <laughs> I quite like it. So, you know, you can, you can get there. Public transport is having a resurgence for you because we're all off Uber at the moment. Public transport is where it's at. And, and it's not as busy as it was pre-pandemic. So this has got to be the world's most boring conversation. <laughs> well, it's like we're all living in 2008. We've all got cords on our headphones again and we're all catching the train. I do have a recommendation. Hit me. The teacher's trial. If you guys uh, listen to the teacher's pet four years ago, it was, of course, probably one of the biggest podcasts to ever come sure. out of Australia by Headley Thomas and The Australian covering the cold case between Lynette Dawson and her husband, Chris Dawson, and Lynette's disappearance. They are now covering the court case. There's one episode a week and it is fascinating. There's only one episode up so far, but one of the revelations made very early on in this episode had me like gasping behind the wheel of my car. I just found episode one so interesting. Some reviews accuse them of going too legal or being too technical on things. Completely disagree. I find the legal explanation and kind of the unpacking of the Australian justice system to be really fucking important in this case. Hugely, right? Yeah. When did the teacher's pet come out? I'm Googling it now. It feels like a lifetime ago. Four years ago. Four years ago. It's been removed. The teacher's pet podcast has been taken down in Australia. It's still available internationally, but I think it was seen as something that could potentially negatively impact the trial. So it's been removed from Australian feeds, but now you can listen to the Teacher's Trial podcast. And I, for one, am really loving episode one. That's a great recommendation too. I will definitely jump on that. That feels like another lifetime ago that I listened to that show. Yeah, I'm thinking about where I was in my life when I listened to it and everything was different. Genuinely. That's how time works. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, but only four years. Only four years, Annabelle. You're kicked out, Annabelle. You're done for the rest of the show. Bish, let's jump into the Quick and Dirty today. You are hosting it. So for those who don't know what the Quick and Dirty is, every week we run through the top five stories of the roughly and tumbly of the pop culture and celebrity news cycle. Michelle. Ooh. Ooh. Messy Andrew. Yes. <laughs> what do you got for me today? If the crown fits, it fits. All right, my first story. How absurd is Kendall Jenner's cucumber cutting technique? That is from W Magazine. Have we all seen the video of Kendall Jenner attempting to cut a cucumber? We absolutely have. And I hope that all our listeners have too. Because I do not know how I will possibly explain this. (laughs) Yeah, so I watched the Kardashians the second it dropped last week. I'm quite onto it. So it was Thursday night. I was watching the episode and essentially what she does is she is standing over the cucumber, goes to cut it from the cutting end. So if it makes sense, so say say you've got a cucumber and one end has already been cut off. She's staring at it and instead of securing the cucumber on one end with her left hand and cutting it with her right hand, she decides to bring her hands extremely close together and put the knife right next to her finger and move it down. That was her first mistake. She then realises that's a mistake and pretty dangerous and makes a decision that baffles everyone. She swaps her hands over. (laughs) So if you have a crisscross hand in front of you listeners, she's securing the cucumber with her right hand, cutting it with her left hand 
over her body in what is one of the most uncomfortable and unorthodox cutting techniques I've ever witnessed in my life. I genuinely think that if people listening haven't seen the clip, they still will have absolutely no idea what was going on after that explanation. (laughs) But I do appreciate your efforts because I wouldn't have done any better. Well, I hate for a bit of shameless self-promotion, but I did post a TikTok video on this. Oh my God. You went viral. I went viral. 11 million views and (laughs) 1 million likes, if you don't mind. So on my TikTok account, I posted, Kendall's version of cutting the cucumber and then I got a cucumber from the supermarket and kind of imitated the exact same way she did it. So go have a look if you I was going to say you know where to find <laughs> it. It was pretty weird because it like through the whole scene in the Kardashians, Chris Jenner's like, just I'll get the chef to make you a sandwich. Like, you don't have to make this sandwich. Like, no one is making you make this sandwich. And she is like, no, no, I want to make my own sandwich. And I am really interested because the internet definitely blew up about this. There was yeah. this tweet from Brody Lancaster that did really well that said, obsessed with Kendall Jenner trying to prove she's not an out-of-touch spoiled rich girl by insisting on making her own snack and almost dislocating her <laughs> shoulder trying to slice a <laughs> cucumber. Like, surely this is all set up. No way. There is absolutely no way it's not set up. I don't. Annabelle? I don't think it is. I can imagine myself accidentally cutting a cucumber like that. No, because she was like, I'm not a good cutter, so don't zoom in on me. I'm like, (laughs) we all, I reckon what perhaps happened is maybe she had a pretty wayward cutting style generally. Mm. Producers caught it and said, let's let's actually amp this up and put it on camera. I do completely disagree with you, unfortunately. So you would never say that anything from the Kardashians is set up. Self is. Oh my God, this is a, t- this is a debate as old as time. On <laughs> shameless. It is as old as time. Zara saying the Kardashians is set up and me like fighting the good fight for the family. <laughs> no, what I would say is that I don't think Kendall Jenner would be up for this. To Maybe be blunt, that's true. out of all the Kardashians, having watched every episode of the Kardashians, ever, which is a lot of episodes, the least likely to pull the piss on herself, the least likely to put herself in a situation yeah. like this is Kendall out of the whole family. If this was Kim or Chloe, I would completely agree with you. They would do that. Kendall wouldn't. And I genuinely think the Disney version of the Kardashians, I need to look into this more, but I'm convinced the family has less input with the final scenes that make it into the show. It feels a lot more like the producers and the Kardashians are on the same team, but they're not in each other's pockets. But I feel like maybe they're entering this new era where they... I I know Kim Kardashian has always been happy to sort of say things tongue-in-cheek and play things up a little bit. I just wouldn't be surprised if something as non-offensive as cutting a cucumber was something that Kendall was like sure send it viral Mm. like I I totally appreciate what you're saying but it's like the vibe of the family we knew they had to change up the format we know that generally people like people who are self-deprecating I just wouldn't be surprised if these were deliberate pivot this is a very interesting one for your safe Friday we will quiz you guys on this I vehemently deny that that would be (laughs) set up I'm very curious to see where you guys stand so come vote tomorrow over on our Instagram account my second story Britney Spears and partner Sam Asghari revealed the pop star has experienced a miscarriage that is from ABC News in case you missed it Britney and her longtime partner Sam wrote in a joint statement posted on Instagram It is with our deepest sadness that we have to announce that we have lost our miracle baby early in the pregnancy. Yeah, they went on to say this is a devastating time for any parent. Perhaps we should have waited to announce until we were further along. However, we were overly excited to share the good news. Our love for each other is our strength. We will continue trying to expand our beautiful family. It's a tough sort of thing for them to take on to say oh gosh maybe we shouldn't have announced it but it was something that they were really excited about last month as people might remember she did post on Instagram writing 
about a Hawaii trip and she said, I lost so much weight to go on my Maui trip only to gain it back. I thought, geez, what happened to my stomach? My husband said, no, you're food pregnant, silly. So I got a pregnancy test and uh, well, I'm having a baby. Yeah. And that was very early on. She basically said four days later, I got a little more food pregnant. It's growing. So we knew it was very, very early on in the pregnancy. I've got to say though, Women should be allowed to announce and feel empowered to announce their pregnancy in whatever stage at whatever time they like. I know that a lot of women who have experienced pregnancy loss delay telling people until even their third trimester sometimes. But if you want to tell people when you're four or five weeks pregnant, that's fine. And yes, the risk of miscarriage is high, but it probably goes away to destigmatizing miscarriage and having more open conversations about it. I just hope they both feel okay because it would be a lot to have this all in the public eye. Yeah, absolutely. And you should be able to share your excitement with the world, yeah. especially after she spoke so publicly about not being able to have children because she had an IUD inserted inside of her without her consent. So like you, you should be allowed to do that too as well. So yeah, they said they will keep trying because they would really like to have a baby together at some point. Yeah, watch this space. My third story, Madeline West hits back after her ex-partner Shannon Bennett claims he was the primary carer of their six children following their toxic split. When they go low, we go high. That is from the Daily Mail. Now, the two main players in this story are, of course, Shannon Bennett, the renowned restaurateur in Melbourne. He is a chef. His most famous restaurant is Voudemont. For sure. Zara. We also have Madeline West, who was his partner of 13 years. She was best known for her role on Neighbours. She also starred in Playing the Field. <gasps> playing, that, playing for Keeps. Playing for Keeps. <laughs> that was an amazing keeps. show. It was for season one. Season two was trash. But season one of Playing for Keeps was Peak we were so Australian obsessed drama. with that for a while, weren't we? We loved it and then it fell off a cliff. Yeah, it really sort of just came onto our radar and <laughs> fell right back off. Yeah, I did love season one. Maybe we should rewatch it. I would rewatch that. Anyway, <laughs> back to these two. They, as you said, Mish, they were together for 13 years. They split in 2018 and have six kids together. Now, both of them have sort of, over the last couple of years, spoken quite publicly about how toxic that split was. And on Friday, Shannon Bennett actually did an interview with the Herald Sun and he told the Herald Sun that his six children live with him full time in Byron Bay in his home. And he said that they visit Madeline West every fortnight for a few days. Now, that's a pretty innocuous quote because this is a couple who have split, have six kids. I imagine you want to keep the kids together. You've got to share custody in some way or another. Mm. What was most curious, I think, is how the media picked that up and led their articles based on the fact that Shannon Bennett was the primary carer of the children, as if it was hugely surprising that a father was doing that and not a mother, Mish. Yeah. So the tone around the conversation was very pointed, as you said. Take this from the Daily Mail who wrote, celebrity chef Shannon Bennett opens up about his toxic split from actress Madeline West moving to Byron Bay to be the primary carer of their six children, in capitals, and how it cost him his dream. The headline that appeared on a Google search was, Shannon Bennett tells how his split from actress Madeline West left him as sole carer to six children. So the narrative is very much Madeline West has disappeared. Shannon Bennett is the only one who's kind of stuck around for the kids and he sacrificed everything to do that. Yeah, every article that referenced this interview led off the fact, one innocuous quote in a pretty long piece about how the kids live with him. And I felt that 
to be a very strong indication of where our conversations are at about Mm. divorce and parenting at the moment. Now, Madeline West hasn't actually directly responded to this interview, but two days later, she posted a quote on her Instagram page from another Instagram page called The Divorce Hub, which read, sometimes the universe tests you the most when you're close to a new chapter. She also uploaded that very famous Michelle Obama quote that said, when they go low, we go high. I'm not one to be a conspiracy theorist, but if I was pissed off, I'd, I'd do the PASAG Instagram <laughs> oh, story thing too. The number of times I've been tempted to do a PASAG Instagram story. I nearly did. No, I, ne- I actually have never been close to doing one. But I said to you quite a few weeks ago, fuck, I could do one right now. And you're like, <laughs> do it, do it. I and I was the, like, what's wrong with you? I love that you're saying I've never been close. You even had the particular <laughs> thing you wanted to share on your Instagram story. You were like two clicks away I from wasn't posting even, it. I was not even close, but I, I imagined in an alternate reality what it would look like to post it and what it would feel like. If you were messy and loved a bit of drama, maybe that would have happened. (laughs) You'd be close to being messy enough to do it. Yeah, I think you're the only thing keeping me from being messy sometimes, truthfully. (laughs) Yeah, that probably sounds about right. (laughs) Coming up after the break, we have so much more to cover in this quick and dirty from Megan Fox and Machine Gun Kelly to Courtney and Travis and then the Inspired Unemployed's beer company. But first, a word from today's sponsor. My fourth story and one that Zara insisted was in today's episode of Shameless... Take a second to tear up, my girl, because Love Island Australia's Josh Moss and Amelia Plummer announced split after almost four years together. That is from Nine Entertainment. Someone cue the sad music. I was blindsided by this and so were you. Oh, I definitely care, but I care enough to the point where I turned to you and said, oh, I care, but is it for the episode? And you were like, absolutely, it's for the episode. episode. We must talk about it. I feel like a lot of us watched the first season of Love Island. These two were, of course... In the first season of Love Island, they lasted a long time, four years. They seemed really happy together. They posted together all the time. I know a lot of couples do, but they seemed sort of more approachable than your average Instagram influencer, former reality TV couple. I turned to you yesterday and I said, I feel like Josh Moss is like a... Love Island version of Maddie J. Yes, which is so <laughs> fucking accurate. When you look at what Josh Moss posts, you only see a younger, blonder version of Maddie J. They do truthfully. like this sort of fun kind of aunt scared to lean into the daggy from time to time is that fair which we love I love that yeah absolutely now these two are also kind of the faces of the franchise Love Island Australia hasn't been the most successful in building lasting romance like almost I think every winner across the seasons has fallen apart every major couple has really fallen apart until this week Josh and Amelia they were even held up on Love Island After Party that show that Abby Chatfield hosts Sarah they were held up as like the template of what people are looking for they would like co-commentators who could weigh in on the house and weigh in on how much in love they still were all these years later so to lose them is a bit of a blow for Love Island. Yeah, so Josh posted on Instagram a statement saying, it comes with great sadness that I unfortunately have to share that Amelia and I have 
decided to break up. This has been one of the hardest and most heartbreaking decisions we've ever had to make. We've had an incredible life together over four years. However, at the end of the day, we took some time to reflect and decided we were both heading in different directions. I still do love Amelia and she holds a special place in my heart. The moments we shared together is something I'll never forget. We are on really good terms and both wish nothing but the best for each other. I have pretty lovely breakup statement, a if I may. beautifully crafted breakup and statement. She, she had a pretty good one too, hey? Yeah, she did. But I think it also probably hinted towards a certain truth, which we can discuss after I read it out. Amelia's statement was as follows. Little reminder that you can always choose yourself and happiness no matter what. I felt it was necessary to share that Josh and I have decided to split. This was the most heartbreaking yet respectful breakup. After almost four years of being together, we decided to go our separate ways. I don't know if this comes as a shock because I think we betrayed a happy, healthy relationship. And it was that for the most part, but there was also a lot of challenging moments we didn't share. No relationship is perfect, but there are some parts where you have to see eye to eye. Josh and I are on incredible terms for a breakup and we want the happiest life for one another. But sadly, right now we have to find happiness separately. Of course, I love Josh and we'll miss our crazy special life together. But right now, this is the best for us both. That reads to me like she was the leader in the breakup. Yeah, I mean, choosing happiness says a lot, hey, yeah. and needing to find happiness apart from each other. Just, I am really impressed with those statements, if I may. Mm. I am sad for them. <laughs> I really <laughs> like them together, guys. Breakups also suck because sometimes, like, I don't know, I never thought these two would break up. Like, I'm very cynical when it comes to online relationships, yeah, yeah, yeah. which I'm putting in inverted commas. Online relationships often look... I don't know, maybe like they're trying to prove something or they're doing it for show. I never felt that with these two. I truly was shocked when I saw this. And I can't remember the last time I was shocked by a celebrity split announcement. Yeah, I totally agree with that. But as we have to say at the end of all of these, if they are happier apart, then that's what we must support. <laughs> Good job, Zara <laughs> McDonald. My fifth story, Megan Fox oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> and Machine Gun Kelly cut a hole out of her designer jumpsuit to fuck. And why do we know this? That is from Pedestrian TV. So guys, on Monday, Megan Fox posted an Instagram dump of her in Vegas. They went on a Vegas trip together and she wore various skin tight outfits, one of which was a bright blue bejeweled jumpsuit. Zara, halfway through that Instagram carousel, we were given some information we probably could have done without. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. So what she, I, it's actually quite a funny story, if I may. So what she did was she included in that Instagram dump a screenshot of a text conversation between her and her stylist, Maeve Riley. Now, in that text conversation, Megan Fox clearly texts Maeve saying, was this blue outfit expensive? We, as in her and Machine Gun Kelly, cut a hole in the crotch so we could have sex. And then she did the shrugging emoji. <laughs> and then the stylist said, I hate you. I'll fix it. <laughs> it's like, what? Will you wash it first? Yeah. I'll I fix it. Who are we learning that out to next? <laughs> I'll fix it. Throw it in the bin. And also like, just take the jumpsuit off. Why must we cut a hole in the crotch? It's almost like they're trying to outsex every public couple. They want us to know that they have more 
ferocious, rampant, frequent sex than Kourtney Kardashian and Travis Barker, than, I don't know, who else is highly sexed in the celebrity industry? They want to be the most sexed. Yeah, I agree with that. And you know what? They can take the crown. I will, you know what? I will give them the crown now and they never have to talk about it again. Just take it and run. Go. I really loved this passage from Saliha Iqbal, who opened her article with this. Megan Fox destroyed a designer jumpsuit so she could get railed by her fiancé. And I can't relate. I do not love any man enough to ruin such a gorgeous piece of luxury. <laughs> That's pretty good. That is the uh, vibe. My sixth story, speaking of Courtney Kardashian and Travis Barker, they are married for real this time. That is from Entertainment Weekly. Well, if this does sound familiar, that's because it sounds familiar. These two did get drunkenly fake married in <laughs> Vegas earlier last month. So we kind of weren't sure what was going on with their whole marriage mm. thing. But those fake nuptials weren't actually their wedding. This time they actually got married on the weekend. They got hitched in a surprise courthouse ceremony in Santa Barbara. Yeah, they did. According to People magazine, these nuptials were attended by very few people, only a couple of close family members and friends, one of which included MJ. Kardashian fans will know that name. MJ is Courtney's grandmother who served as their witness. No kids there, I don't think. No we, children. Yeah. And Courtney wore a white mini dress with a veil and heels. She's <laughs> trying to be diplomatic. <laughs> I didn't love it. Look, um, I could have done without the Diamante heart in the middle. I agree with that. They drove off in a convertible with a just married sign, which I actually thought was quite cute. We love that for them. Are we done speaking about these? Things? I am just one more thing. Are we not surprised <laughs> that they just didn't go big? Oh, no, they were never going to go big. Oh, right. Anyone who watches the show would know. My apologies. <laughs> <laughs> we <Their>, forgive you. <laughs> their style, as they've said in the Kardashians, is they wanted to just do it one day. They wanted to wake up one day and be like, let's get married. But they did it twice. <laughs> well, yeah, they did a practice run is how they word it. They saw the Elvis impersonator wedding them in, I think it was called a One Love Wedding Chapel as their practice run. This, they said they wanted to just do it one morning when they felt like it, surprise everyone, have nobody there. They've spoken about having a big party but they never wanted a big wedding. That's lovely. Good on him. Your Kardashian expert always <laughs> here. Now, my seventh story, Logie nominations. Melissa Leong and Tom Gleeson yes. go head-to-head -head for gold. That is from Sydney Morning Herald. A shout-out to friend of the show, Melissa Leong. We will be voting for you. I already have. I already did too, oh, Michelle. I care. I care so much about the Logies this year. I don't know why. Maybe I have less going on in my life than <laughs> usual. I jumped onto the website, have done all 12 categories <gasps> of voting. Yep. It was hard Some of them were hard. I found, what did I find the hardest one? Perhaps best drama. Quite a few actors from Love Me, our favourite show of all yes. time, nominated. So I definitely gave them a vote because I knew Hugo Weaving absolutely <laughs> needed my support. Dare I say, we wouldn't have struggled if playing for Keep season one was one of the <laughs> No, we wouldn't have at all. But I, I am so into it this year. I don't know why. It's been two years since we've had a Logies. Actually three. It had a two-year hiatus. The last Logies were in 2019. Now up for gold, as you mentioned in your headline, Michelle, we have Tom Gleason again, Melissa Leong, Sonia Kruger, Hamish Blake, Julia Morris, Carl Stefanovic, and Raymar, who is from Home and Away. <laughs> I feel like I needed that I little love, explanation at the end. I love that everyone else's names can just stand alone, but Raymar, we need to give like a clarification. That was from The Age. The Age did that, and I thought, well, if they've had to clarify who he is, then so will I. Now, 
You will all remember in 2019, I think, when Tom Gleeson won that gold Logie. He won on a campaign that was controversial, to say the <laughs> least. He basically tried to pretend the whole thing was a farce and a big joke and he wanted to rot the system and rot it. He did. He won. I am here to say that I think it's shameless we have quite an audience and if I'm going to put my money and my vote behind anyone, it's Melissa Leong. So... Everyone vote for her. It's actually on a more serious note, though. Only one person of colour has actually ever won the Gold Logie. It's Waleed Mm. Ali, which means there's no woman of colour who's ever won this award. She is an incredible talent on Australian screens. She is amazing. Annabelle's just nodding (laughs) so much. And I honestly think it would be incredibly important and powerful if she could take that away. She's so loved. 150-ish thousand people will listen to this. If we could get even half of you to go vote for Melissa, we will fucking romp this. In. Come like, on, fam. We would be able to do it. The funny thing is, is I had a slight conflict of interest because I did attend a Tom Gleason stand-up comedy show earlier this year or late last year, yep. maybe, with my partner. And anyone who's been to that comedy show, I won't break the pact that I made when I attended, but anyone who's been will know that something was said that is a certain plan. Now it's a silent just campaign. A, oh, <laughs> now just a bit of a yeah, when, you can't talk about Fight Club. If you're in Fight Club, (laughs) yeah, I I think that's about it. (laughs) But I'm going to betray that publicly saying I'm betraying that. I will jump off this recording. Maybe I'll do it mid recording and vote for Melissa Leong. Do the same. Tag us in your Instagram stories. Let's get a campaign up and going. We've become become the non official like campaign sponsor of Melissa Leong. You know, it's an election year. We (laughs) might as well use our skills for something important. I'm happy to do that. Melissa Leong, we are right behind you. The ceremony is on June 19, guys. So we got a month to get this off the ground. Yeah, interesting. Melissa Leong, reach out if we can do something together. My eighth story, (laughs) The Bachelor Australia Returns. Meet the leading man for 2022. That is from Who Magazine. I forgot we had eight stories. (laughs) There is so much going on. But if what would we drop? There's nothing that can be dropped from this list. There's nothing that can be bumped. Top tier. in case you missed it, the Daily Mail published exclusive pat photos this week saying that the strapping basketballer by the name of Felix Von Hoff is the new bachelor and they had photos of him enjoying a date on the Gold Coast on Monday, Michelle. Yeah. Now Felix is 27 years old. He stands, this is per the Daily Mail, at a whopping six (laughs) foot five. (laughs) Whopping is such an underused phrase. (laughs) He is from East Melbourne and plays for the Melbourne Tigers. Now my favourite line from all of this coverage was this one from the Daily Mail. The Pear played a boisterous game of football with Felix amorously tackling his date from behind. <laughs> terrifying. It's terrifying and also just like slightly a bit rude. But it's done amorously, so it's fine. Amorously tackling her from behind in a boisterous game. Boom. Yeah, genuinely. I'm just going to let you two do uh, that. Is that funny? Yes. Yeah, so I, funny. I think you'll find it is. <laughs> now, Jimmy Nicholson's season, that is the last season of The Bachelor, delivered the lowest ratings ever for the franchise. So there's something in the air, I think, that this will still be mixed up. I know that some fans heard this news. They saw that Felix was cast. They acknowledged that, yes, he's a very attractive very what whoppingly tall man <laughs> but they also said we were expecting something a bit different this year where's our different template to keep things fresh 
I do feel like things will be kept fresh. I don't know what it's going to be, but something's on the horizon. I can just feel it in my waters. Well, there's a lot of reporting around that it's actually definitely going to be different. I mean, our listeners might remember a while ago, we spoke about that DM that Pedestrian got and wrote an article about where they said it was going to be a fully mishmash season where they were going to have both a bachelor and a bachelorette in the same season. And that was kind of given weight when we realised there's only one season of The Bachelor this year. Mm. There is no season of The Bachelorette. Now, Megan Bastetto, who runs So Dramatic, also did an episode on what she's hearing about The Bachelor. Now, this episode was published on May 12th. So if people are actually interested in listening to her insight, go and listen to that. But she said she had heard that there is actually more than one Bachelor, which made me think if Pedestrian had been copying this DM and we believe that there's also a Bachelorette, are there going to be more than one Bachelor and more than one bachelorette. Mm, I'm yeah. So maybe. then is this just Love Island? There was also a Married at First Sight contestant who commented on So Dramatic's post and they had their little verified Samuel Levi. Samuel Levi had a little verified tick. So I'm like, I'll listen to what this guy says. He said he's one. Felix is one of the bachelors. So Samuel Levi, I'd love to know what your source is, but he's been in reality TV before. So I imagine he's heard from someone in the industry. We will not have a season with one bachelor. There will be multiple. Yeah. And then the other thing that Megan Pistetto said as well that got me very excited is that there are going to be fantasy suites this season. We had them in our very first season of The Bachelor. If people don't know what a fantasy suite is, if they've never watched The US Bachelor, it's basically a room that the the Bachelor gets, or the Bachelorette, in the last couple of weeks of the season when there's final three. Final three. Yeah, okay. And they are allowed to have sex with... The contestants. Now, that's kind of how dating works, but it's never worked like that in The Australian Bachelor. But I think they clearly felt like they needed to sexy it up. Apparently as well, Megan said that there are dates before the red carpet. So the Mm. red carpet is not when they're first meeting each other. So perhaps these pat photos of Felix playing amorously from behind (laughs) (laughs) were of a pre-date, a pre-red carpet date. But Mm. I'm into this. I have not been excited about The Bachelor for yonks. You know what? I don't even need other bachelors. I don't need any of the bells and whistles with like pre-red carpet dates. I just need fantasy suites. Give us sex in this show and people will tune in. We're so fucking- I look scared. <laughs> you heard the woman? Give <laughs> <her sex. laughs> We're so PG-13 here. If you watch The American just- Bachelor, like- they are quite raunchy and it's quite sexual, which is how so much dating is. We know that Abby Chatfield resonated. She copped some flack, but she got killer ratings on The Bachelor when she was quite openly sexual. Give us sex. People will tune in. And yet you had a problem with Machine Gun Kelly and Megan yeah. Fox, you know, cutting a little hole out. Okay, take off your jumpsuit before you have <laughs> sex. Don't destroy something, but still have sex. Yeah, there we go. Is that all you've got for me? That's all I've got. <laughs> Thank you, next bitch. This week, the AFR reported that the Inspired Unemployed's beer brand, Better Beer, has already generated sales of $10 million since launch, making it the fastest growing Aussie beer brand in eight years. It feels very much now like we're in the era where influencer-built companies aren't just doing well, but shaking up entire markets. So what makes a good influencer-built business? What makes one shake up an entire industry? Michelle, I want to have that conversation with you, but let's start with Better Beer. Yeah, let's start with Better Beer and the two men behind it, Matt Ford and Jack Steele. Obviously, they're better known as the Inspired Unemployed Zara. I would say they're two of Australia's most prominent social media personalities. They became massive in 2020. It was like in the mid of COVID lockdown. 
And I remember them as being two Aussie battler-esque guys who just provided light relief. Like with their dancing, with their comedy skits. At a time when the world was very dark, the inspired unemployed kind of rose up as this ridiculously funny, self-deprecating beacon. Yeah, and I remember thinking, and I, I don't know if this is like a too random of a thought, but I remember thinking that they appealed both to men and women. Mm. Like you had men really loving what they were doing. You had women really loving what you were doing. And I remember thinking at the time, I don't know if you'd find two women doing the same thing who could appeal to the same market. Yeah, I don't so think broad. you're finding two women who are appealing to, who are funny comedians who are appealing to men as well because I don't think enough men find women funny. Yeah, don't give them the time of day. Yeah, but that to the side as a thought anyway, they did incredibly well at having a huge demographic. It yeah. wasn't a particularly narrow one. And so what they've done in the last year or two is they've, you know, decided to produce a product off the back of their brand. Now, Matt Ford and Jack Steele each hold a stake of 20% in Better Beer, which is the brand we've been talking about. Mm. The founder of the brand, a guy by the name of Nick Cogger, who runs Torquay Beverages Co., also has a decent stake along with another 40% owner, which is the ASX-listed Mighty Craft. So you You've got some key players here who've got all the skills and all the resources and cash to build something pretty incredible. And that's exactly what they've done. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Endeavour Group, which is the owner of Dan Murphy's and BWS, says that Better Beer has been their fastest growing new beer brand launch in eight years. And that's really testament, to be honest, yes, to the intelligence and the kind of savviness of Matt Ford and Jack Steele. But Nick Cogger, the guy who founded Better Beer and kind of has been in this industry, for him to pinpoint these two guys and go, they are going to be the rocket ship for this brand. Very clever guy to kind of get them on board and do this together. 100%. I find the, the numbers around the sales incredible. So the beer was launched to market in November it's May now. From January one, <laughs> thank you. From January one to March thirty one, which is four months, the beer generated sales of seven point eight million, Ooh. with one point eight million liters of beer sold. Total sales since launch were nine point five million to the end of March. Now, it's been six weeks since the end of March, and at the rate of their growth. You can imagine that is, I mean, obviously well over 10 now. Well, well over 10 million in sales. Absolutely. Now their website, thanks to the boys' kind of social media engagement, has had more than 100 million impressions since November, which is just absolutely astronomical. Now, it is a hugely, hugely successful business venture for these two guys. They were comedians or like amateur comedians who kind of became like influencers, right? Like yes. if they were women, we would instantly call them influencers and not bat an eye. So I shouldn't even hesitate there. They were Instagram and TikTok influencers. It was only in November 2020 that they were the face of Tui's Extra Dry. So now a rival beer yeah. brand. And I remember that campaign. I remember their Tui's Extra Dry ads going so well. And I think that probably showed these two. It showed Matt and Jack that they can push other people's stuff, other people's products so effectively. Why not make their own product and sell that instead and get a bigger cut? hundred percent. And I kind of thought when I saw Matt and Jack um, explode onto the scene, I genuinely wondered like, okay, these two are like the quintessential like Aussie quote unquote bloke. And I wondered, you know, will they experience the kind of tall poppy that a lot of other people in the public eye experience, which Mm. is when you get to a certain height, people are like, oh, I preferred you when you were more of an underdog. And as I look 
looked at them, I thought, I don't think so. I think they'll kind of evade it. Mm. But I think I was wrong. I don't think they experienced it to the level that a lot of other people do. But I remember maybe last year getting a sense that maybe some of the comments on their TikToks and Instagram weren't as glowing as they had been before. People were accusing them of, I guess, quote unquote, selling out, whatever that means, of taking too many brand deals. And I think for them, the best thing that they could do for a brand or their own brand, I should say, is release a product and put all their energy into one thing. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this pivot from them to have this kind of influencer built company or influencer first company has been really smart because there's something in the air right now. There's definitely been a push towards more social media personalities and influencers legitimizing themselves by building a company or kind of partnering with a company and having super successful sales. I mean, I'm thinking of like Keep It Cleaner. We know that AFR estimated that Keep It Cleaner's founders, Steph Miller and Laura Henshaw are worth upwards of $30 million each off the back of that company's success. We have One Mile, which is Sammy Robinson's fashion brand. It made its Fashion Week debut last week. We've got Brittany Saunders as well, Zara, who came up in both of our TikTok feeds with her Day in the Life of a CEO video. Yeah, for sure. And I think for me, I want to be really clear on this point. An influencer launching a business is hardly new. Almost every influencer does it because they realise they've got a brand that's worth something and that they can really leverage that. I think the era that we're finding ourselves in is an era where there's been enough time for these businesses to exist and earn money and really shake up entire markets. Yeah, absolutely. I think as well, we've seen a way for it to be done and we've seen a way for it to really plummet. Like I'm thinking of a few influencer brands that rose up very quickly. It definitely felt like an influencer just chucked their name and their branding and their label on a product that they really didn't have any passion for or investment in. And then it was kind of one or two launches and then it disappeared. Like I'm thinking of watch brands and athleisure brands and a whole bunch of stuff that influencers just pushed for a bit and then forgot about. The brands we've just mentioned really feel like those influencers and those social media personalities, now entrepreneurs, have had like a top to tail involvement with that. They have like meticulously crafted what that brand will look like. Even just this week, we saw Abby Chatfield launch her own clothing brand, Verbose, and that definitely feels like something she has had the highest level of involvement with that's definitely been a shift. Yeah. And the other example that's come to my mind a lot this week is Matilda Jerf. Now, if our listeners haven't heard of Matilda Jerf, if they're not on TikTok, she's a Swedish model and influencer who in 2019 created her brand Jerf Avenue. And it has been a real evolution of Matilda Jerf since then because people now see her very clearly as a businesswoman because that business in 2021 reported $11.5 million in sales. Insane. That's according to Vogue, which is really insane. Like that's exploding growth for a business. And those are the kinds of businesses that are doing it incredibly well, right? And I want to know from you, what do you think actually makes a really strong influencer-built business? Because as we say, there's heaps of them. So what separates some from the back? I think it's the little decisions. One thing that stands out to me is when Sammy Robinson last week at her Fashion Week debut decided not to walk with the rest of the models. I mean, everyone knows Sammy Robinson is stunning. She does modelling on the side. It would have been a very quick, very easy decision to go, and I'll walk because that will get more publicity, more photographs will find their way onto social media. If I'm on the runway, it's a bigger moment. It was so smart of her to not do that, even though it would have probably been tempting. I imagine it probably was a conversation on some level behind the scenes. For her to go, no, I'm not walking in this fashion show. I am 
the founder of this company and I am taking that more backstage role was really clever because instead of seeing her in the mold that we always see her, which is the influencer mold, we saw her very, very clearly in the businesswoman founder role. And I think those tiny decisions of these founders to maybe pull back from the really intense influencery events and start leading more into the businessy events and really take a lead on things like marketing and promotion is massively important. Yeah, as I'm sitting here, I actually think one of the key differences is for these brands to have identities that exist outside of their founders, right? So you think of a brand and yes, you do think of the founder, but you also see this brand as this fully fleshed product that has met a gap in the market and that does have its own identity and brand itself. And I think that is absolutely key for some of these businesses. Yeah, it's like you want it in tandem. You want to see part of that brand's DNA kind of having the soul of the person who created it so you know it's their input but also that brand can stand on its own and be a really respectable flourished fully fledged brand without that influencer exactly it's almost like eventually if you took the influencer away the business would be totally fine it's like go-to with zoe foster blake yes exactly and i know they're such a key part of the story and such a key part of the marketing but i do think people would still buy these products would probably still buy better beer now if they like the beer enough would still use their keep it cleaner subscription would still buy stuff from fate the label from britney saunders because now they love the product so much so i think that's really key i think that's all we've got time for i think it absolutely is guys thank you so much for listening as always you know where to find us for tomorrow's your safe Friday or your safe Friday depending on on how kind we're feeling that is on Instagram we are at shameless podcast we absolutely are we're also on TikTok thank you for you guys we asked you to follow us to get us to 100k last week it was a bit despo (laughs) we'd been watching it for so long we're like just fucking get us to 100k and you guys did that for us so thank you we're on TikTok at shameless underscore podcast yeah thanks so much guys Annabelle Lee anything to add no actually no have a jolly old week have a jolly Thanks so much, guys. We will be back in your ears on Monday for another episode of Scandal. Bye. Shameless Media. This podcast was recorded on Wurundjeri land. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land.